Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? All right. If you can hear me on the foyer, we're going to start this morning. If I can get everybody up on your feet today. All right. So I need everybody to wake up a little bit. I know it's, a, it's, it's getting a little bit dreary outside. It's supposed to snow tomorrow. I'm, I'm a little uh, about it myself. Um, but it's fire in here, right? Um, so we're going to start with a, a little bit of a more faster song. And so I need you guys to feel the excitement and to feel that thanksgiving and that praise in your heart today. Um, so before we even start right now, I'm going to do something different. And I want you to go say hi to somebody you haven't said hi to this morning. So ready, go. pray and get us kicked off this morning. God, we bless your name. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for your spirit. We pray that you would be here today. God, let your presence fall in a brand new way. God, let us experience you with excitement in our hearts, God. God, let whatever frustration, whatever burdens we're carrying just be melted off today in your presence as we come alive, God, to worship you. We honor you and we thank you today. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Woo. Yeah. Let's get it going. going Woo! <laughs> all right so we're trying something new so you just have to bear with us having technical difficulties we will get it don't you worry we got it no worries guys it'll be all good here we go All right, amen. Yes, we got it. Woo-hoo. Here we go. All right. Put your hands together this morning. Hey. Here we go. This is no
would do this all for high Cause it's all to live to high Whoa Come on, put your hands together Hallelujah, come on, give them some praise today, church If you came, you gave God praise Come on
Man, church, do you really know what that means? When you think about those words, when you say those words, do we process those words or do we just repeat it? Because it's so easy. It's such a catchy thing to repeat. If you really stop for a moment and think about, I can sing of your love forever. Just think about the word forever for a second. Think about the longest measure of time you could ever possibly imagine. A hundred thousand billion years and it will still not be the end of us being with the one who made us and singing about how much he loves us, about how much he loved us that he sent his son to come and get us. <laughs> to bring us back home, to gather around him, just to be with him, just to say back to him, thank you, God, I love you. There's no place else I'd rather be. Can we just close our eyes for a moment? God, we focus on you right now. God, we know there's tragedies in the world. There's floods, fires, famines. But you, God, you still hold it all in your hand. And despite everything that's in front of us, trying to drag us down, we step into your presence right now, God. Just fill this room. We've come here, God, to meet with you today. Just meet us here today, Lord Jesus. Come into this room, Holy Spirit.
church your kingdom come your will be
this place, God. Oh, Jesus, just fill this room with your love, with your presence, God. Oh, come meet us. Come meet us, Jesus. Jesus. Come on, one more time. Sing, Spirit. is here, God. And when your presence is here, when we're in your presence, Lord, life gets a little lighter, God. We lift our hands as a physical act, as a crying out of our body, God, to surrender and that we need you, God. We give you everything this morning and ask that you take this weight, God, that in your presence there's a lightness, Jesus, that you would take this weight, God, and that we the people of God this morning would just be overwhelmed with peace and with hope, God. Thank you that you're here with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated this morning. Woo. God is good, right? In spite of everything that we see, this week's been really heavy for our family. Am I super loud? I feel loud. Um, This week's been really heavy just with everything that happened on Sunday and already just leading into that, all of these things, when when I pray, I just feel so stirred and and just I grieve for people losing their lives and girls being kidnapped and hurricanes and earthquakes and then this craziness on Sunday and it was tough this week and Paul reached out to a, a mentor of his and just said like, what do we do? You know, how are we as a church? It's not just like, yay, Jesus is good no matter what. Um, but he, he encouraged Paul with the book of Lamentations. And I read that this book this week just because as Christians, we have joy and we have hope, but we also can grieve and we can lament. And in this, in Lamentations chapter three, the chapter is titled, A Prophet's Anguish and Hope. And that's, that's, what, that's life, right? 
we have these seasons of anguish, but there's always this hope. And so I'm just gonna read really quickly the anguish I recall in my mind so that I might have hope. So this is in Lamentations 3, 22. Through the Lord's mercy, we are not consumed. I don't know about you, but I feel consumed. Oh my goodness, like what with this fear and with worry and pain and like, how can this be, Lord? How can this world continue like this, right? But I'm coming to him with that anguish and through his mercy, we're not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. And what I've been challenged with the last two weeks is that I can't just be a Christian walking through life and just everything's gonna feel great all the time. But I have to pursue Jesus and to seek him. And it says, the, um, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. And the only place we can find this hope and the, this refuge and this the burden being lifted is really with him when we're close to him and we let him in. And throughout our day, we're making our petitions be known to God, right? That we're constantly turning it over to him and inviting him in. So I just, I wanted to bring that as a little bit of hope because I feel like as Christians, we're not always gonna have the answers. It's not always gonna be like, yay, the sugar of Jesus. Life is perfect. Um, but we also don't have to live in fear and, and always in that state of anguish and lamenting. So go through it, but find your hope in him, amen. Well, my name's Megan, Megan Frank. I'm married to this handsome prince in the front row. And I'm usually in the gym with the kids because I lead the children's ministry here. It's called Hill City Kids. And woo, it's, it's where I like to be on Sunday mornings. So we have a couple exciting things happening in Hill City Kids. We're starting our annual fundraiser. Last year we made the homeless care packages. Does anyone remember that? Woo. So this morning, maybe as we speak, the kids are voting on what our what we're gonna raise money for this year. So we're either gonna be doing that again, or we might be supporting foster kids by making them bags that when they enter the foster system that they have a bag instead of trash bags. Because that is another thing that I grieve and breaks my heart. Um, so we can make those bags, or we can also do birthday boxes for foster kids. So they're voting if we wanna do the, the homeless care packages and if we do the homeless care packages, I'll probably be doing the foster bags anyway. So if you're interested in that, you can follow me on Facebook and be a part of that too. But just some exciting things coming ahead of ways we can be generous. And we want to teach our kids that it's not all about them and that there's people going through very real things and that we can meet a need. And that even as young children, they can play a part in that and help somebody. So thank you.
Good morning. Wow, I already got a cheer. This is awesome. All right. Have you ever met someone that you wish you'd never met? Nervous laughter. Has your wife or husband met someone who you wish they'd never met? Have your kids ever met someone you wish they'd never met? Um, have you, have your parents, have your parents met someone you wish they'd never met? We all have people in our lives um, that we wish we'd never met. And this isn't, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain this, so don't freak out. Don't be like, we shouldn't be friends, all right? You're gonna, I know the mind's racing already, but I know everybody can get to a point. They say there's always some people in your life, uh, and I know I've talked to people even the last month that have told me this. Not, not those explicit words, but I can tell it's inferred that I wish that person um, had not been a part of my life. And so I think we can all agree that folks we've met sometimes can be our greatest regret. And uh, good morning. How are you? Hi, Brittany. I always love when Brittany comes. Um, and uh, so we're on part number two of Guardrail series. If you were here last week, uh, I'm going to explain what Guardrails is. And so if you're here last week, you're going to hear it again. Uh, not the whole sermon. Don't worry, I'm not going to repeat it, Angel. Uh, but I am going to go through a little bit and explain. Uh, oh, okay. Oh, so you're here. All right. So anyway, so last week. No. <laughs> um, so what is a guardrail? Um, guys, we're going to do the offer. Let's do the offering at the end of service, unless you want to stand there the whole time. I mean, you look really pretty, Alan. We're on part number two of guardrails, and uh, so I'm going to explain what that is. But first, I want you, when you go, when, as I go through this message, do you ever in church sometimes hear a message and you're thinking, man, I wish this person heard this message, right? And you kind of go through and you're like, oh, man, my cousin John, man, he should totally hear this. Pastor John needs to hear this message, and he's not here today. But as you go through this, I don't want you to think about what another person, your aunt, your sister, your cousin, whatever it is, but think about you. This, is, this message is about you, okay? This is not about another person, and I'll explain what I'm talking about. So what is a guardrail? A guardrail is a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. This is, uh, everyone knows what a guardrail is. Uh, if you've hit one, you really know what a guardrail is. And what it, where do you, f- you typically find guardrails? You find them on bridges, medians, and curves. Uh, I, went for, I went up to Netherland and uh, up Boulder Canyon, and I was just, there was guardrails everywhere, right? Because if I, if I, hit, if I miss the guardrail, what's going to happen? I'm going to be in some amazing, beautiful Colorado River, but um, maybe not know I'm even there because I'm probably gone. Uh, but I, what... Um, uh, uh, it's funny, I, I'll share this real quick. You need to be careful what you preach on sometimes uh, because this last week, and my mom was terrified, and my wife, when I told him the story, uh, I was driving uh, down on Federal and I-70, and I, was, I had a meeting over by Regis University, and I was driving home, and I was in the left lane, uh, four-lane road if you're familiar with Federal, and I was about to go under I-70, and suddenly a car shoots over the median and is heading right at me, going about 50 miles an hour. And I wasn't on my phone. Remember, I told you guys all put that set on your phone. I was not on my phone, so I'm not, uh, not a hypocrite. But I'm driving, and all of a sudden, this car goes boom, boom, crashes over the sign, the median. Car parts are flying everywhere, and this car's coming right at me. And I veer, I honk my horn. Not sure why I honked my horn. <laughs> but I felt like the right thing to do. There's just these visceral reactions. You're just like, nah, get, get out of here. Uh, but there's person, the, the car left up in the air, and it was just parts everywhere. It ran over, you know, the street signs that are on the end of medians. Thing completely flattened like a pancake. And this car's coming, and I, I knew there was a car to my right, and I veer over, and that person luckily saw it too. And this car's coming at me, and the car corrected and went into the turn lane, and, and we miss each other. Uh, but I pulled over, absolutely just, you know, heart rate was a little elevated, just a little bit. 
And I sat there just thinking, what, what has just happened? And I, I, I was shaking, and I drove down Federal all the way to 120th. I think I was going about 30 miles an hour on Federal, but I was like, ah, whatever. I was so so scared uh, just because of what happened, just like that. And I was thinking the same thing of what I just preached about. There was no guardrail on that median. There was no, um, that, that if it was a guardrail, it would have really messed up that car. And if that person wouldn't have seen, and I'm not kidding, this car was coming right at me. I'm sorry, babe, don't get scared right now. She's like, oh gosh. Uh, but the, uh, I, I, I felt like I just shared that story that I just, I don't think God was trying to sh- teach me a lesson, all right, and say this is what really guardrails are for. But man, it was it was scary, and I saw physically why guardrails exist. Because in an instant, it's not about you. Sometimes about what others this is what I preached about last week, right? About defensive driving. It's about what others are doing, and the, dan- the we live in a dangerous world. Uh, and Megan talked about that already. So that's the reason why we call it guardrails. Because in life. We don't just need physical guardrails, but we need personal guardrails to help us from a financial catastrophe, a professional catastrophe, a moral failure, whatever it may be. So we put guardrails in our life so that we can avoid going into a river, falling off a ditch. Amen? And uh, so I'm going to go into that more. So that's why we call this guardrails. And so we're on part number two, which is called, kind of called a couple things, proximity or why can't we be friends? Uh, Remember that song, why can't we be friends? Why can't we be friends? Why can't we be friends? He's like, that's all you can write? All right. So the pushback on this, the pushback, I think, from a Christian perspective is you establish guardrails in your life. Say, I'm going to take this stance. I'm going to say, eh, do you really need to do that? You know, uh, culture tells us that painted lines and these little lines on the side of the road are adequate enough. Right? Just don't go over the line. Well, I think as, as, as Christians and, and biblically we're called to establish some pretty uh, strict guardrails in our life so that we avoid future regrets. All right? And so today I'm talking about friends. Um, friends and or associates, and I'll get to that in a second. Uh, so there, CJ's already got it. So when I talk about friends, uh, a friend, friend has begun, I think the, the definition of friend has gotten a little um, misinterpreted lately, especially with Facebook. You know, how many friends does everyone have on Facebook? Like, I have 500 plus. I don't know about you. No? Okay. Well, uh, everyone knows what a friend is, but I also want to talk about associates. When I say associates, I'm, I'm, I'm typically referring to people you work with or other people in your life that you might serve with or you do life with. Um, this is tricky, though, because I think you're going to, what you're going to do is um, you're going to say, Paul, you're being really judgmental about uh, the friends I hang out with, and are you asking me to be judgmental about them? And this is no. And I'm going to, I'm going to uh, explain the difference between judgmental and good judgment. Being judgmental is me half-forming an opinion about you. So, Freddie, if you were, if I was in your life and I'd say, well, this is what I think about you, and this is what I, I don't really know you, but I'm going to be judgmental and point out something in your life and tell you that, um, you know, you need to change it. That's being judgmental. And uh, we're not going to talk about this today in the, from a Christian perspective. There's absolutely places biblically where we should be judgmental of each other because that's a Christian obligation. But being judgmental is saying, I'm going to look at your life, and I don't really know you, but I'm going to make a half opinion, and I'm going to judge you. I'm setting myself up as the judge. Good judgment is about you. Okay? Good judgment is saying, I'm going to look at my life, and I said this last week, about my past experience my current circumstance, and my future hopes and dreams, where can I apply good judgment for my life so that I can, with the future in mind, so I can avoid future regret? Do you guys get the difference between judgmental and being good, judge, uh, and being good judgment? <laughs> All right, good. Then we're pretty much done, so we can go home. Um, so uh, that's what I want to talk about. This is, and let's keep moving here. 
So is it being judgmental to look back at your friends and say, I wish I'd never met them? It's a pretty harsh thing to say, isn't it? I wish, I mean, it's like, I, imagine saying that, I wish I'd never met you. I, I, I've actually said that before. And uh, it was, my wife would be happy because it was a, a woman in the past, and so it'd be a good thing, right? And, but I think that's not about being judgmental. It's literally about being good judgment about you and what God's called you to and what your future hopes or dreams are that you say, what is good judgment for my life and the traits that I want to become? And I'm going to bring those into my life and say, that's good judgment, okay? So I'm going to go into that now. Uh, let me break it down a little bit more. As a parent, you know that uh, your grandparents, your parents, they, they would say, you can't go over there to that person's house, right? As a kid, I was like, well, why can't I go over to their house? My mom's here. And she'd say, well, you can't hang out with them. And well, why? That you're being judgmental, mom. And no, she was being, she was exercising good judgment because she cared about me, all right? She cared about uh, my life and where I was going. So I would say my mom and my dad were, they were paranoid, all right? And we saw that. We all experienced that. And it stinks, right? You're like, mom, you're, you know, you, why you do that? Well, now, who's some parents in here? Anybody? We got some new parents, including myself. Well, we are now paranoid-er. Amen? Because, why? Because you know you, and I know who I was as a kid, and I was a pretty good kid, right, Mom? Thank you, okay? But now that you're a parent, you look back, and you're like, man, I knew, I know who I was. I, you know, Matthew, I was, I was picking on you last week. Like, I know who I was as a kid. And that, as you get older, you're going to look at your own kids and say, man, I, I know what's out there. I know the world's evil. I know it's a hard place to live. So I'm going to be even paranoid-er than my own parents. And I think we have an advantage now with digital media. Uh, it's, it's interesting, uh, digital media sounds like uh, social networking and all these things. Parents these days, you can actually learn a lot about a kid and their parents just by going online. You can see, you, know, you can look at their Facebook profile. You can know their, their religious affiliation, their political affiliation, uh, what they like on Pinterest, uh, what they like on all sorts of things, right? And you can learn a lot about that without even learning them. So it's, uh, I think it's good. It's, it's really just being nosy at the end of the day, but we can call it good judgment. So I'll say this. You're, you're, our friends determine the direction and quality of our lives. The thing that makes friendship marvelous is all, can also be something uh, that can be dangerous. And, and that sounds, this is, uh, this is a tricky, I'm not going to say this again, but this is a tricky conversation, okay, because it is about telling, it, from a Christian standpoint, it, it's not saying push away people or don't be friends with people. Jesus left the 99, right, and went after the one. I mean, he left and hung out with sinners and people. That, that is not what we're trying to say here. It's really about establishing personal guardrails in your life with your friends and associates so that you can be the person that you want to be as you progress in life, right? I'm getting some nods, so we'll keep going. Um, with, uh, when you're with your friends, the greatest thing about friends is you can be intimate, and you can let your guard down. You can be comfortable, and there's commonality, amen? You get together, and you're good. But with, some, with the wrong friends, that can actually be dangerous, all right? If you let your guard down, if you become too comfortable, and all of a sudden, you're very impressionable, you're very open, and all of a sudden, you're, you're in a situation, you're in a place where you didn't want to be. And I think that's where you have to have some personal guardrails or some discretion in your life to be able to uh, know when you're um, approaching some of these guardrails. And we're going to talk about that. And there's nothing wrong with this. This is the nature of friendships. This is how God designed us. All right? We are acceptance magnets. Say acceptance magnets. My son, we, we, uh, we, are, we teach our kids to tell the truth. Like, if they don't tell the truth, it is over. <laughs> From a, that sounds bad. Um, 
But if my kid does something really bad and hits a kid, okay, that's going to be really rough. But if they lie to us, it, for us, it is, it is an absolute, uh, in, in adults, it's the same thing, right? When someone lies to you, it's just, it goes to a different level of your core than just uh, on the surface. Like, man, you're just cute. You just made me mad. Versus like you explicitly lied to me, that just goes deeper. And I think, and Everett, my son, he said, dad, I lied this week. <laughs> he said it so casually. I'm like, okay, I appreciate that you're so honest about telling us you're lying, but don't make it a habit. And he, he said, I, I was trying, there was this kid talking about a video game, and I, so I, I said like three lies, like I knew the video game. He didn't even know the video game. He said, I found a cheat online. He just really, I know it's embarrassing. We had to work as parents, but he, he just kept going and going on this lie, and he's like, why are you doing that? And he said, I just wanted to be accepted by him, and I just want, it felt like he's a cool kid, and I wanted to be, and we're the same way. We are acceptance magnets. So quick thing on, uh, there's a guy called, uh, uh, his name's Moran Surf. I think, I don't think his name's Moron, but uh, it's, it's Moran Surf, we'll say. I'm sure he gets that a lot. It's unfortunate. But he is a professor of neuroscience at the Kel... I am going to get to the Bible, so you guys, if you're a Christian, you're scared I'm not going to get to the Bible. Just hold off. We're going to get there. But Moron Surf is a professor of neuroscience at the Kellogg School of Management. Uh, Kellogg School of Management is one of the top business schools in the world, and he's, the, and he's a professor of neuroscience and management. He did a study about how human engagement and how we are influenced by others with a keen focus more on the neuroscience part. And what he found is that brainwaves of people, when they spend together, actually begin to look identical. So this is before, uh, and, the, and the key thing about this, this is before the behavior has even happened. So when someone does an act or when you're hanging out with your friends, even before, just even, my, even Everett hanging out with his friends, I'm sure just talking about this video game thing, even right now, it's kind of creepy, I know, but your brain waves are all forming a little bit because I'm so, so persuasive with this microphone that you're, I can just see you guys all the, you know, they're all looking identical. But it's a neuroscience thing. It's not just a sort of abstract thing. There's actually proof that this happens, that your brain waves look alike for, around the people you, you hang out with, even before the behavior. So he says this, the more we study engagement, we see time and again that just being next to certain people actually aligns your brain with them. So look to your left, look to your right, your brain waves just aligned. This isn't just behavioral, it's, it's profoundly neurological, and it keeps, he keeps going. If people want, so here's what he says, if people want to maximize happiness and minimize stress, they should build a life that requires fewer decisions, okay? It's like, I, and, but instead, surrounding themselves with people who embody the traits they prefer. Because he's, his premise is just merely by being with the people and standing around them and being in their presence, you're going to start to espouse and assimilate and have those traits in your life that you want in your life just by being around them, all right? Now, we know that's a little bit more complicated than just that. They're just like, I'm just, I just, it's just like assimilation or a, what is it called? Osmosis, when you just kind of stand by someone and you just start to take on those feelings. But uh, what they, uh, that, that is what he's uh, saying, just by proximity. That's why we named this proximity or doing uh, uh, just uh, can we be friends is being next to that person, being in their presence, and just spending time with them, you literally neurologically start to align with them. All right, so let's get to the Bible. Your future will be impacted. Um, uh, there was a man in King Solomon. You've heard of King Solomon. He's a pretty big deal in the Old Testament. And he, he knew this, uh, or he talked, he's, he was re referred to as the wisest man that ever lived. Some scholars still believe he's the wisest man that ever lived. And so what he said in Proverbs 13, 20, all right, yeah. <laughs> when we say the word of God, we cheer. Let's try it again. Proverbs 13, 20. Much, much better. Walk with the wise and become wise. Wow. It's pretty simple. 
Basically, this article about neuroscience is the same thing. Walk with the wise and become wise. And walk in here really means do life with. Run with them, play with them, coach with them, um, work with them. Walk with the wise and become wise. If you walk with the wise or spend time with wise people, you will over time become wise because wisdom is contagious. When you're around someone who's wise, who says the things that you align with your traits, they will be contagious and they will be parts of your life. Amen? We'll keep going. And then he says this, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. We don't really use the word fool in our culture. I I don't know the last time he called. I think you hear it on like an NFL, like that guy's a fool because he dropped the pass or you hear fool. But in the Jewish culture, it was a very common term to to, to call someone a fool. So what is a fool? It's someone that doesn't live carefully. They did not understand about the past. They don't care about the past, the present, and the future. They live for the day. Tomorrow is tomorrow, and I'll see what happens. And they're not careful. We talked last week about being careful. If you remember, we talked about that, about the, uh, just stepping in your backyard and looking out for uh, dog poop in my situation. All right? Walk carefully because the days are evil. Live carefully. All right? And that's what he's saying here. So when you don't, when you don't walk the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. So the, the important thing here is not what Solomon did say, that he said you suffer harm. It's what he, I would expect him to say, if you walk with the wise, you become wise. If you walk with the fools, you'll be a fool. But that's not what he said. He actually, he goes and he says, no, not just that, a companion fool suffers harm. So being a fool is just being a fool, but being foolish and not being with the wise actually suffers harm. And if you take it back to the beginning with the people that you've met, sometimes are your greatest regret. Man, I can tell you in those moments, I felt like a fool. I felt like a fool. So if you, the point here is this, if you stick around long enough, you will do what they do. And who's the they? I don't know who the they is in everybody's life here. I think you guys can say, when I ask you the question, who are those people in your life? Um, do you want to be like them? Do you want to do things like those people? Um, and if you stick around long enough, you will do what they do. Uh, so let's sum up what he's saying here. Friends who aren't careful with their lives won't be careful with your life. And I like this. If, if you have a friend or an associate at work or someone who's not careful with their health, they're not going to care about your health. If they're not careful with their marriage, they're not going to care about your marriage. Have you ever met someone who's just absolutely reckless with their marriage, but then they're trying to give you counseling? And if they do, it's kind of crazy, but then should you even listen to it, right? And that's not, that's not wise. If someone doesn't care about their finances and they're reckless in their finances, they certainly are not going to guard your finances. Their reputation, they're not going to care about yours. If someone that you have doesn't, isn't concerned with faith at all, are they going to be concerned with your faith? This is a big deal. And let me say this, this isn't just about a, a middle school or high school thing. I, I think that's why I said don't, don't, um, give me a second. don't just look at this as somebody else should hear this. They have bad friends. They have bad influences. That's not what this is about. This is about your life, your past experiences, your current circumstances, your future hopes and dreams, and who are the people that you're with and you're spending time with. Are you walking with wise people or are you hanging out with fools, as the Bible says, which will bring you harm ultimately? Okay. So remember this, the point of a guardrail is to light up your conscience so that you know you're about to do something that doesn't align with your future hopes and dreams, all right? A guardrail is all about the future so that when you're looking forward, that in the future, I talked about this last week, ultimately what Paul was saying that being led by the spirit so that in the future, when you're about to veer off that road, that there's a guardrail there that you've already established, okay? Um, that you've already set in place, that when I get to this situation that I don't want to be in, when there's a danger zone, that I'm going to hit a guardrail that I've already set in my life, all right? And I'm going to go through some of these to make it real applicable for you.
All right? So let me give you some five, five suggestions for when you're talking about friendship, you're talking about those people that you might regret in the future. What are some things that you can do to light up your conscience? All right? Light up your conscience. I'm not trying to get too neuroscience here. But what Paul talked about was being led by the Spirit. And led by the Spirit is, as a Christian, we believe that God comes into our life and the Spirit kind of illuminates or awakens our conscience to say, in a moment, I'm feeling convicted. All right? I'm feeling like this is not the place I want to go with my life. Okay? So we got this cool light here. Can you guys see the light in the back? This is from my living room. It's really nice. I asked my wife, which light can I take to church? She's like, well, maybe not that one, but okay, that one's okay. So we're going to do this one. Number one, when it dawns on you, your, crew, your core group isn't moving in the direction you want your life to be moving, okay? That you guys know, and Paul said this last week, understand, you know you. You know you. We're adults in here. We're not teenagers. If I was talking to teenagers, I'd probably have a different discussion, maybe change it a little bit. You know you. When it dawns on you, your group isn't moving in the direction you want your life to be moving. Oh, boom. It worked. No hands. You should, that should light up your conscience. All right? Just like, boom. Oops. <laughs> Fail. When it dawns on you uh, that you have the same likes, you listen to the same music, food, etc., but you don't like the direction it's moving for your future, this should light up your conscience. It's not judgmental. It's not a good or bad thing. It's a wisdom thing because relationships are not static. And let me say this. Relationships are either growing or they're decaying. They're either getting better or they're getting worse. And, that's, and sometimes that's you. Let's, let's be honest. Sometimes we're the one causing the relationship or the friends and associates to go in the wrong direction. But if this is where it dawns on you that it's really not lighting up, that you're boom, boom, I'm bothered that this relationship is not going the direction I want it to go, uh, this should light up your conscience. This should bother you. Number two, when you catch yourself pretending to be someone other than who you really are. Oh, man. Anybody feel this? Where you're having a conversation and you're, you're sitting there and you're like, all of a sudden you're, boom. I feel like I'm pretending, just like my son the other day. He was pretending to know this video game. He was pretending to engage in a conversation and be someone that he really wasn't. And I felt like he was really pretending to be someone other than he really was. This should light up your conscience. If you lie to yourself long enough, you will become someone else you don't want to be. Mm. Number three, when you feel pressure to compromise. Not once you've compromised, but when you feel pressure. When you feel the pressure to compromise in your life. A moral decision, a financial decision, you know. Um, should I, uh, you're, 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 you know, for years you said, no, thank you, I'm good, I'm good. I don't need to go to that event, to that, to that restaurant, to that party, whatever it may be, to something, okay? And Suddenly, you're driving home, and you think, you know what? Maybe I'll go. Maybe I should go. They're always inviting me, you know, and I think I'll go this time. Those small moments should light up your conscience and say, you know what? That's a guardrail, and that's how I set my life, and it's, I'm feeling this pressure to compromise in an area that I don't want to compromise. Just the thought of, of even the pressure. Number four, and if I'm going too fast, I apologize. We'll have this online, so... Um, you can always catch up with these later. When you catch your, this is a big one. When you catch yourself thinking, I'll go, but I won't participate. Everyone ever <laughs> did that? Boob. <laughs> would your, would your uh, 14, would you, would you, would you, uh, would you accept this from your 14-year-old daughter <laughs> who said, I'll go, but I won't participate, Dad. Like, no, you just would not do that. So as adults, why do we allow that in our own self? I'll go, but I won't participate. And I think some of us are strong enough to go into some situations, okay? But I think we, we, we really lie to ourselves when we say, I'll go, but I won't participate. This should light up your conscience. 
And number five, when you hope the people you care about don't know your whereabouts. Hello? Even when you get to where you are going and you don't do anything unfaithful or don't break the law or sin or do anything quote-unquote bad, the whole point of you were going to this place was that you, you were hoping that the people you care about didn't know where you were. You haven't done anything yet, okay? And it may not be that bad, but, but even the thought, man, let me go back to, remember last week I talked about the, the guardrail. It's not in the danger zone. The guardrail is in the safety zone, okay? Here's the cliff. We put the guardrail in the safety zone so that when we hit it, we know we're not about to go off the side. Putting the guardrail in the danger zone doesn't make sense, okay? Putting it in the safety zone is a proactive, defensive way to live. And so when we take that guardrail and we say, you know what, I'm just even thinking about tell, not telling the truth of where I am right now, that should be a guardrail. That should light up your conscience. That's the wise thing to do is to say, I'm going to put this guardrail in my life so that when I feel like I'm even being dishonest to my wife, to my parents, to my church family, to others' friends in my life, and I'm hiding that from them, that should light you up. Amen? You guys getting this? You guys, is this helpful? And so if I, uh, <clears throat> if this feels judgmental, I get it. I do. I get it. Um, but here's why I'm so adamant and, adamant and feel so strongly about this, that I know our world, and I know myself, and I know without guardrails in my own life, and I've hit guardrails. Over, I've, I've done these guardrails for about four or five years of my life. I've hit some guardrails. Guardrails are mu much better to hit than going off the cliff, believe me. Guardrails have caused, caused damage, repentance, uh, forgiveness, but I would much rather hit that guardrail in my life than the other alternative which in some cases could be catastrophe or what I talked about, great regret. Regret, regret sucks, you know, doesn't it? Regret sucks. And I think that what the guardrails is to avoid that future regret, regret, regret. That I know that many people in our city of Thornton, in the city of Denver, in the Colorado and around the world, that they're going to wake up either today or tomorrow, and they're going to stumble out of bed. And we've, I think a lot of us have experienced this. And they're going to look in the mirror, and they're going to say, how did this happen? How did I get here? And I know there's people here that have felt that I've lived in my own life that way, had severe regret from things that I've done. And I, and I stumbled out and I looked at that and I said, how did this happen? Whose life is this? <laughs> you ever feel that way? You look in the mirror like, whose life is this? How did I arrive in this moment? And I feel that this isn't a quick fix sermon, but I feel that many of these uh, regretful uh, moments of waking up in the morning and saying, how did I get here, could be avoided by establishing personal guardrails in your life. Amen? That we can live proactive lives, that we can walk with the wise, live, you know, live carefully, walk wisely, be led by the Spirit, establish these guardrails so that we can glorify God. That's what we talked about last week. At the end of the day, it's all about glorifying God with our lives. Amen? Man, we're going to keep going here. Um, and we'll close in a, in a few minutes here. So Jesus says something profound uh, in Luke 7.35, and we'll go there. Okay, we lost it back there, but not up here. And there were the, uh, the Pharisees. Uh, the Pharisees were the, uh, so Jesus was, uh, you know, in the temple and did a lot of teaching, and the Pharisees were the religious leaders of the time. 
so imagine um, Robert Vargas, you're up here preaching, and he talks, and John and I are kind of like, we're not the religious leaders, but whatever, we'll just go with it. And John and I are sitting here like, Robert, you're wrong. That's, that's nonsense, you know, and just totally calling him out right in front of everybody. Uh, that was for the Pharisees of the current time. They were uh, the, the, the Jewish uh, Pharisees, and they were, they were really uh, challenging Jesus on some of his teachings. And so he, he comes up with this great response at 735. I'm not going to read the whole thing, all right? But he kind of just, you can just see him kind of getting fed up and just like, oh, God. These guys just don't get it. I'm the son of God, and they don't get it. And he gets to 735, and he just says this. He says, wisdom is proved right by all her children. And I think you guys get what it's saying there. In other words, time will tell, right? I'm going to make this decision in my life, and the culture might say, Paul, why are you establishing such an intense guardrail? Why are, you, why are you so strict with some of your friendships and associates? Why aren't you a little bit more painted line, a little bit more gray area with some of your relationships? And, and I'm not like, you can't be part of my life. You can be, you can't be, you can be. But I'm, also, I'm always looking at my life, and, and what's wise for me and what's good judgment for me and my family is in light of my past experiences, my current circumstance, and my future hopes and dreams, is this relationship a wise thing for me? And that's what he's saying. Ultimately, the culture and the world and the Pharisees even didn't get it. And he said, at the end of the day, guys, time will tell. That wisdom in your life, it'll be, uh, it will be right, proved right by all her children. Wisdom has the last word. So these five suggestions I've just given you, they can be rebutted. They're not, they're not the gospel. They're not black and white. They're not absolute. I'm, I'm merely trying to give you guys some good, some good advice. Uh, and this isn't some self-help sermon, so I hope you didn't take it that way. But I did want to give you some very applicable message today. That what are some rules that you can do in your life um, so that you avoid that future regret? Establish personal guardrails. You'll never regret it. <clears throat> so... And the last thing I want to say is it's not a lack of love or concern for other people. And this is, like I said, this, this could be construed as, are you telling us to not reach out to the sinner? Are you telling us not to reach out to those that are in need? Of course not. That's not what I'm saying at all. Um, we, are, we at Hill City actively participate in culture. We are not counterculture. We're not like, let's just, let's just sort of uh, be recluse and get back to our place in our church and just do our little thing. No, we actively are, we are active in our culture and we actively uh, work and, and are, serve our community, right? But there, as I've just said, and, and I don't need to go over it, but if I can wrap it up with this, it's that there are, there are relationships, friends, and associates in our life that we need to be aware of, of what the influence is in our life and do they align with our future hopes and dreams. Amen. This is about your future. And I'll say this, you are better positioned to help those when you're in the safety zone. <clears throat> when you're in the danger zone yourself, you're not, very, you're not positioned to help very well. And so we want to stay in the safety zone. We want to live life carefully, walk wisely, be led by the Spirit so that we glorify our God in heaven. Amen. Amen. You can bring the rest of the, the band up. And, uh, you guys can start handing out the, and we're going to do communion this morning. And um, uh, for offering, uh, if you brought your tithes and offerings, usually we hand around bags. A lot of you get online. Uh, we'll go, uh, Robert Vargas, we'll go ahead and stand by the door. And we'll, hold, we'll have a couple guys holding bags if you did bring that. So uh, on your way out, feel free to drop it in uh, for those who are giving to Hill City Church financially. We'd appreciate that. And I talked about this last week, man. The time is short. Last week on radar, uh, put this up. Does it? Did you guys see this? I found this so fascinating. You guys, I, I mean, you you would have to unless you're like really good at reading radar. Um, I had to see this on news. Does anybody know what this is? Oh, nice. Good. You guys are informed. I like it. 
This is uh, butterflies. This is a 70-mile-wide uh, radar shot, 70-mile-wide. And they didn't know what it was at first. They thought it was birds. And they said, well, what's showing up on the radar? It looks crazy. And, and what it was was uh, the, the issue was they said it, was, it can't be birds because they, the, 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 uh, they were going west. And the birds, I don't know the migration pattern of birds. If anybody else does, I apologize. But I don't know it. But what they found was, no, it's actually not birds. It's butterflies. And you guys have seen them, right? They're everywhere. And uh, 70 mile wide disturbance. It was millions of, I don't even know the number. I'm kind of making that up. But it was millions of butterflies. I even went up in the mountains up to around 10,000 feet. And they were all over the place there too. It was amazing. And what they were, were um, they were lady, go to the next one. I have it on the slide. What were they called? Painted ladies. Let's call it painted ladies. Good idea. And the main goal of these butterflies right now is to reproduce and lay eggs to repeat the cycle. Um, the butterflies, just crazy, crazy, crazy. They, do you know how long they're going to live? Two to, two to four weeks. Two to four weeks. This amazing event. But they're only going to live about two to four weeks. And I talked about this last week that the, the, uh, in Proverbs, he says, be wise and number your days. Be wise, number your days. I don't want you to live another day without establishing at least one guardrail this week. Establish a guardrail in your life, you know? Don't delay this, don't defer it. Put that thing in your life so that you may never hit it. You may never hit that guardrail, but you know in your conscience, you know that when you're going and you're, boom, I remember, you know what, I remember back on October 8th, you may not remember the exact day, but I remember this series, and I remember in my life, I declared that I'm going to set some guardrails in my life. I'm gonna set some guardrails in my life that says, you know what, when I'm feeling the pressure to compromise, or I'm feeling about lying to telling people where, I, where I'm going, that that's a guardrail. Actually lying and doing something horrible was beyond the guardrail. So man, life is short. Thank you, Terry. Terry always does our communion. And can we just give him a hand real quick? He always uh, just serves us in that way. And um, I want us to, to stand this morning and encourage you guys. And we're going to partake of, of communion. I'm going to pray. And uh, we're going we're gonna to jam out this song one last time. Do we have our full band assembled? They're coming? Okay. I love this. I, want, I, I specifically asked for this song, guys, because I, I love words. I'm going to read it again real quick, and I pray that you'd worship with me when they, when they do it. More than a song that lasts a moment, I'll live a life full of honest worship. If I'm here to sing, if we're here to sing, and we know that life's short, amen, and we know that this isn't supposed to depress you, this is supposed to motivate us, that life is short, then I'm not going to waste another day, another moment of just singing a song. So if I'm here to sing, then I'll sing with purpose. I'll sing with, by glorifying God, thanking him for today, thanking him for, for life this morning. This is an intense week. We know that. My wife discussed it. And I lament. I'm sad. I'm depressed. It's hard, hard week. Um, but I, I wake up today and I live my life um, full of honest worship and, and singing with purpose. So I'm going to talk real quick about this. Um, and we're going to partake. And then we'll let you guys kick it off. The bread represents God, uh, Christ's body that broke for us on the cross over 2,000 years ago. And we, we, we remember his sacrifice. We remember what he did for us. The son of God, the man who was called and changed the world, 
was, was just crucified brutally on a cross. And if you're a Christian, don't feel like you need to participate. If you're not a Christian, sorry, rather than uh, you don't need to participate in this and love to, to, to talk more to you about this Jesus that we serve in his life. Um, but this, bought, this bread represents his body. So church, can you just in your own way meditate and thank God for his sacrifice and his body that was broken? Go ahead and eat the bread. And the wine is, um, represents his blood that was shed for us. The perfect sacrifice. The perfect sacrifice for something that we fall short of every single moment and day of our life is, is a sinful life. Even establishing all the greatest guardrails in life that I've talked about. You know, I could say, man, I'm on the road. I'm doing well. I didn't hit any guardrails this week, this year. Um, man, I'm doing some really wise living. Well, that's, that's amazing, that's awesome, and that's what God has called us to. Um, but at the end of the day, I know I need a savior. There's gonna be moments in life that I have not established a guardrail and I'm falling off. And that's why we, we thank God for his blood that was sacrificed. That is the ultimate uh, sacrifice and atonement for our sin, for our shortcomings, for every day we shoot an arrow at life and we miss it. Even missing the target by just a hair is, is really sin. And so we thank God for his blood that, that forgives us and accepts us as ch children and sons and daughters of God. So take of the, uh, the wine, the juice. God, we thank you for your son. We thank you for this, uh, the, the scripture that you have maintained for us and, and kept that we could have lost the Bible years ago and not had these uh, the word of God, as we call it here, available to us. And so, God, we thank you for these truths of walking wise and not being foolish. And we know that wisdom will last and that ultimately our children, our children's children, and the people that we're around, God, that we know that wisdom and these guardrails in our life will produce, uh, produce obedience and produce wise living, God. We thank you. We love you. And, God, I pray for our church. I pray for our country this morning. God, we... We submit to you. As Christians, we, we want to follow you. We want to grow closer to you. And we do that, God, every day of our lives, e even starting today, Father. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, we love you. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you guys could stick around for this last song, and can you, we're going to sing the first song we did in the beginning. And if you guys can worship with us, um, that would be amazing. And um, if you uh, join us next week, we're going to continue on guardrails, part number three, talking about money. And call it Money Matters is what we're doing. So uh, next week, John and Candace will be back. Um, but with that, um, sing the song with us. And then uh, if you're done, um, or sorry, if you feel like you need to leave, then you can leave and you're dismissed. So love you guys. Have a great day. And um, we'll talk to you soon. God bless. I want to see if 
If I sing with everything, if I sing for you, my dear.